Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Nick Schleckaway is the founder and CEO of Amherst Madison, the third largest independent and fastest growing brokerage in Idaho, and one of the fastest growing companies in the United States as a whole. Being immersed in a self-propelled, startup-oriented family his entire life, the Idaho native is a true visionary entrepreneur. Nick has found that nothing compares to the satisfaction of accomplishing championship-sized goals with great people by his side. His passion for excellence and his drive for victory pushes him to conquer new frontiers while providing fulfilling careers in the dynamic culture for his agents. Prior to Amherst Madison, Nick served the citizens of Boise as a certified hazardous materials technician, emergency medical technician, and firefighter. His experiences as a firefighter, in addition to his time volunteering as a student athlete at Boise State, were instrumental in building a desire to give back to his community and serve others. Nick was an academic All-American, all-conference football player at Boise State and graduated with honors, receiving a bachelor's degree in business management. Nick also earned a master's degree in real estate development and leadership from Georgetown University, all while doubling the size of his growing company during those two years pursuing higher education. Nick, welcome to the One Away Show. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So, Nick, you have a, I think, a fascinating story, one of resilience and overcoming triumph and just being, you know, a story for so many others. Um, so I want to kind of give, give the mic to you and ask you, you know, what, what is the one away moment that you want to share with us today? Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, and I, I thought a lot about that. Um, that's a big challenge, actually. It's probably a bigger challenge than I thought it was the, uh, you know, name one moment or one story or one time in your life that like changed it all, you know, because our lives are made up of thousands and thousands of these moments, but I think I do, I do have one, you know, when I think about, especially my adult life, especially where I am now personally, professionally, uh, I really focus in on, uh, I think it was, I think it was like the spring of 2017 is when it was, uh, thinking about a time frame, And I made the decision, uh, prompted by my girlfriend at the time, Megan to, uh, go down to Los Angeles, actually, to the Amen clinics. Uh, Dr. Daniel Amen has a clinic down there. He specializes in brain trauma, brain research, and actually get scanned, get brain scans done, um, and continue after those scans and getting on a a treatment plan, a treatment path, um, psychological, physiological, emotional, spiritual at times, um, but really making the decision to face the hard truth that I had issues. Uh, I had issues that needed healing. Uh, and some of them were, were physiological, you know, issues from getting concussions, playing football, um, getting concussions, wakeboarding, getting concussions, um, snow skiing, uh, primarily from, from college athletics, but, uh, also, you know, the things I've done in my life. So yeah, that, that decision to go down there and, and face that reality, um, was life-changing. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to think that you might have an issue that, you know, an issue, what I mean, an issue is like 
a physiological damage kind of an issue. It's one, it's one thing to think that it's another thing to see like scans up on a board and, you know, here's kind of like, here's your brain and here's your brain on drugs. <laughs> if, you, if you remember those ads, um, but it's like, here's your brain, uh, the way it's supposed to be, you know, and here it is now, you know, to the point where the, the doctor, the physician is like sitting there with his pen and he's going, Oh, so you must've played on this side of the line because, you know, this side of your brain has more damage than the other. And, uh, it, it was a trip to say the least, you know, to, to have, I guess what I would say, a diagnosis like that. Um, it's, it's kind of freeing in a way because it's like, uh, Hey, this wasn't just my imagination. Like there actually is something wrong here. That's beyond, you know, psychological issues only not, not to say that those aren't real issues cause they are. Um, and I have, I've had them as well, you know, but, uh, so it's kind of a relief in a way. And in another way, it's like, it's just like the pit of doom opens up in front of you, you know, because it's like, wow, I'm, I'm really effed up. Like, this is no joke. I've, I've got a big problem, you know? So it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Cause there's, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's kind of nice to have something to point to. And then it's also kind of like, I can't pretend like this isn't an issue anymore, you know? And, and I think that's a big part of seeking help with any psychological, mental, physiological problem is I think there's a part of us that would like to deny that it's real. Uh, you, you can't deny it uh, when you get test results like that. So that, that, that's been, that was a huge time in my life that was uh, led to a lot of different things, led to a lot of changes. You know, that was what, um, five years ago now, I guess. My life is completely different now than it was then, completely. I appreciate you sharing so transparently about maybe the reality that you had to face and seeing it visually, you know, while, while freeing on one end, I'm sure brought up a lot for you on the other of what do I do now? Uh, what I want to ask you is you said that your girlfriend at the time, wife today, you know, kind of encouraged this um, push to go seek help or kind of take a look at what might be going on. What prompted that? What were some of the symptoms that maybe led up to saying, you know what, maybe we should explore deeper here and see what we can find? Yeah, you know, she was the first person I'd ever had in my life. I mean, like family, friends, whoever, who really pushed me to seek like that specific kind of help. You know, I had other people suggest that I see a counselor or talk to somebody about my issues or get on medication or, you know, stuff like that, I guess maybe more normal paths, but they never really, uh, insisted on it, I guess. And were never seemed to come from a place of love towards me and really just caring genuinely about me a person as a person, you know, when her and I went through that, we had just met each other. I mean, it was literally like three months after we met each other. And our relationship, to be honest, was was pretty rocky. It was kind of an on again, off again type of a thing. It wasn't just like she was solid and we were solid. And so for her to suggest that was it came across to me as being very selfless. You know, it was kind of like, hey, I don't even know what's going to happen between you and I. In fact, when she first suggested it, I don't even know if we were together. It was more just her genuinely caring about me as a person and saying, this is what I see. And I don't know if anybody's ever told you this before, but these are the issues that I'm seeing. And I think you need to seek help for it. Um, 
and and specifically like related to concussion protocol therapy um physiological brain trauma you know so what was she seeing god i don't know that a lot <laughs> a lot um i don't know if you're familiar if uh, people in the audience are familiar with disassociation you know it's a psychological term where you essentially check out, you know, from, from reality and, and your, your brain disassociates yourself from reality. It, it's almost like I would describe it as having an out-of-body experience uh, where you're kind of looking at yourself from the third person and you start lacking, you don't feel anything. Um, it's a very cut off, disconnected, disassociated, uh, which is where the term comes from, I think, uh, state of mind. I was having a lot of disassociative episodes in 20, especially like 2015, 2016, kind of leading up this time period in my life. So just be sitting at dinner with people and kind of staring off into the distance, um, not listening, not hearing, not really caring about the conversation going on around me, drive places and not remember how you got there, drive for hours, not necessarily intending on even coming back. Um, not, not caring about what happens to you. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of wandering, a lot of walks with no specific end. Um, one time I drove to California, um, through the desert of Nevada in the middle of the night. Um, and it's not like, a, it's not a pleasure cruise. Like you're not, you know, it's, it's kind of really hard to, to explain to somebody that's never been there before. It's wanting to escape from pain so badly that you'll, you'll do anything to do it uh, up to it and, and including thinking about taking your own life. Mm. And uh, that was my reality for several, several years um, going on, on walks. You know, I went on, I, I went on a walk one time for like, it was like 12 miles and kind of like ambling through parts of East and North Boise, um, not really intending on ever going home and just being completely kind of cut off and dead to the reality and, and thoughts and fears that would, that would prevent a normal person for exhibiting that kind of behavior, you know, like it's very odd to try to describe, you know, but, uh, the, the fear and the uncertainty and the, like, I probably shouldn't be doing this because it's weird. And like, that all goes away. Um, so I, I just had a lot of those kind of episodes and things that were going on. And, you know, is somebody that like her that was in my life, she had a front row seat to a lot of that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess the last eight months I've started to become much more present, I think, to the suffering of life and how much pain I think people are in. It sounds like this was a period for you, as you said, of, of, of immense pain that had never been healed and pain that clearly drove you to disassociation, long walks, long drives to outrun it in a way. Mm -hmm. um, seems like your wife of today seems like an incredibly special person said, you know what, we, we cannot run the, we can't, we cannot run this. we got to face it head on. What yeah. do you think she saw in you as a person to not run herself? right? Because relationships about taking on someone's past and their stories and who they are. So why, why do you think she's stuck around? You know, cause she has a heart of gold, you know, is, is kind of the short answer, but the, 
the longer answer, I guess, is that, and the more practical one would be, she's had a lot of those struggles herself, you know? So she had, uh, she had had those struggles herself over the last 10, 15, actually her entire life. Um, she kind of rambled and ambled and traveled the country for 10 years and was in music and was in tech and had some random kind of odd jobs, um, and lived kind of a nomadic crazy life and had struggled with depression herself in the past. So that was part of it, you know, because she had been there in a way she was, uh, she went through a time period very similar to what I was going through like four or five years, actually not even that far, like maybe two or three years before I was going through it. So she kind of saw the signs, I think is part of it. Um, I would say that she saw my heart. She saw who I actually was, as opposed to some of the behavior that I was exhibiting. I did, I made a lot of bad decisions in that time of my life, you know, that especially that 2015, 2016 time period made a lot of bad choices, made a lot of errors in judgment, hurt some people close to me, um, made some pretty irresponsible choices personally and professionally didn't have that great of a reputation in some circles at that time. Um, but she's, you know, she saw through all that and she was one of the first people that I had met in a long, long time who made me a priority, you know, and chose to ultimately, if you want to see past the drama and past the chaos and past the BS, you have to make that choice, right? You have to choose to do that. And she did. Um, why I, uh, to be honest, I, th I think God had a hand in that. I really do. Um, she's a very patient person. She's a very spiritual person. Um, I, I think that was a big part of her strength. And she was was listening to a higher power, no matter what you personally want to call that higher power and what you believe in. She was in tune to hers. Uh, so there was, I think, several reasons. No, it's such a gift to uh, yeah. have someone walking your life to to help heal you, to help uh Need to go do that some of that hard work, which I definitely want to get to. Um, yeah. Nick, you told me um, prior to the show that back in 2012, period from July to September, you had gone through your first divorce, sold your first house, and left your job to then go six months later do real estate. Do you think you know all those decisions and? even the crushing decision of not being able to play in the NFL all kind of accumulated and kept building and building to the point where like all that running and all that disassociation, like just kind of added up to, to create all that pain. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, does that make sense? I'm just kind of curious if you have thought about that. I think so to a certain extent, you know, if you don't deal with emotions and trauma, if you don't deal with trauma, it just sits there, you know, and, uh, it comes out in different ways, right? It, it might sit latent for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, um, half a lifetime, you know, but eventually when you deal with trauma, whether that's self-imposed, whether that is somebody else and something they do to you, whether that's just the trauma that comes from living life. Cause Hey, life is hard. You know, we've all got trauma. We've all got stuff that happens to us, but if you don't deal with it and try and, you know, process it in some kind of a, a healthy manner, get it out, um, change your life, make different decisions, compensate for it in some way. I mean, do something, then it's going to just come boiling out of you. And yeah, that, that was part of it for me. Absolutely. You know, when I, 
everything. The only thing I wanted to do since I was as young as I can remember was play professional football. And I actually felt like, like I said, God or whatever you want to believe in had instilled in me this belief that an understanding from birth that that was what I was supposed to do because it's all I ever wanted to do. It's, it's all I ever worked towards doing for the first 20 some years of my life. Right. So when that didn't happen and when that dream was crushed, I, I couldn't process that. Like I, I didn't know how to process that. I had no help in that. I, there is no, you know, book for, Hey, when your lifelong dream gets destroyed, this is what you do. Like there's no 12 step program for that. Um, so what did I do? I, I did what my playbook had been up until that point in my life when I had hard times. Like I, I worked, I, I buried myself in work. I, worked 80, 90 hours a week, um, so that I couldn't think, you know, right. When I got done with ball, I was mowing lawns and doing landscaping. And then I was working a full-time job for a commercial concrete company and studying and, and getting prepared to get hired to the fire department. Like I just, I got, I just made myself so busy and put so much work on my plate that I, I didn't have time to think, you know, and, uh, that's what I did for a long time. And that worked right up until the point where it didn't. And when that started to not work anymore, didn't, I didn't have any other plays in the playbook and things were unraveling rapidly. So it's a good question. It's a fair question. And I, I think the the short answer to it is yes. You know, the, all that stuff that happened and then the trauma of, of getting divorced, which my divorce was brutal for me. It was, uh, extremely difficult and it wasn't a long lived marriage. We didn't have kids, but when I make commitments to do things, I see them through. And that was something that I took very personally that I couldn't see that through. And I gave my word in front of family, friends, and God, and I broke it. Uh, and there's a part of me that honestly will, will never be completely right from that choice. Um, am I, do I regret it? No, I don't regret it. You know, if I could go back, I'd do the same thing, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have trauma, you know, and that, that actually was a big teaching point for me in my life is like for a long time, I think I felt like, well, you know, if, if you don't regret the choice or if you couldn't have done anything differently, or if you worked as hard and you tried as hard as you could have, then you should just move on beyond that time, beyond that event and and not have any, basically any negative feelings about it or any trauma about it or any emotions to it. You should just be able to say, well, I'm done with that point in my life. I tried as hard as I can. didn't work. I'm going to move on that's not real, right? That's not real life. That's not realistic. That's not how the human brain works. You can't just turn the page. It's, it's not a book. Yeah. The, uh, kept coming to mind as you were talking, you know, the body, body is a way of keeping score as they say and catching up to you. And, um, you know, it's like, you tried to build this sounds like a fortress of function to not have to feel. And, uh, you know, your breaking points, you know, you can, you can only you can throw yourself in work or other things as hard as you want, but sometimes, you know, the world has a way of, uh, telling you it's time to, uh, address what's, what's might be in front of you. So one, uh, I just appreciate the candor. This stuff isn't easy to talk about. And then two, uh, just, it's brave, right? It's, it's brave to share because that's healing in itself, but then it's brave to face and, and work to get to the other side of it. So that's where I want to focus now is, you know, you said, you know, your, 
your wife now kind of said, Hey, let's go, let's go address this and let's go start the process. And you saw the brain scans and you said, you know what, there's some truth to this. Uh, and then you said, my life today though, looks 10 times different. Mm-hmm. What were, once you got the diagnosis, once you saw visually maybe what was going on, what happened next? I mean, that sounds so intimidating and overwhelming. So what, what did you do? How did you think about things? Where, where were you at, I guess, feeling wise in this moment? torn, you know, um, you, you can't really be in denial at that point, you know, that, that part of it is gone. So it, it becomes a question of here's the problem. Here's the issue. It's black and white literally. And are you going to do something about it or not? I had already made the decision before I went down there that I was going to do something about it. That was part of getting the scans in the first place, but that wasn't easy. You know, you asked about how, how I was feeling like, it was, Hey, it's never easy to take action to change your life. It's never, for me, it's never been easy to make me a priority. I'll just say that. Like it's, it's never been easy for me to make space in my life to heal mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. That's, that's always been a challenge for me my entire life. And in a lot of ways, this was one of those times where it's like, you know, it's kind of life is this funny way of challenging you in the ways that are your most vulnerable, you know, like as you want to continue, like ascend and grow and do something different, life doesn't just challenge you in the, in the ways that you're strong. It it will challenge you in the ways that you're weakest. And for me at that time, that's exactly what I was faced with was, it was like, Oh, okay, well you want to get better. You want to move past this. You want to, you know, not have your personal life be a disaster anymore and a shit show well, you're going to have to make some time for this and you're going to have to make yourself a priority and your mental health a priority. Um, you're going to have to cut some people out of your life that are toxic people. You know, that that's, that's like step number one. So it's very interesting because you like most of the stuff I've been talking about is, you know, brain scans and physical trauma and physical, 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 physical. Well, you know, obviously the, the brain is chemical and it's electrical and there's blood flow. Um, but the spirit and, and emotionally, you know, in the brain are, are one, um, toxicity, drama, negative people, people who tear you down cause literally cause brain damage and literally prevent you from healing. Especially if you have other physiological trauma that you're, you know, you have on, on the brain and that you're trying to heal from. So like, so step number one of the treatment is like, yeah, you have to get all toxic people out of your life that's not easy. Uh, those people are usually in your life for a reason. You know, we usually, we keep people like that around for a reason because they fill gaps emotionally for us, or they give us somebody to rely on, or they give us somebody to scapegoat, right. Or like whatever. I mean, like whatever the reason is that we kind of hang out with that buddy or hang out with that girl that a part of our brain knows we shouldn't, and they don't ever really bring anything great into our life, but we just kind of continue doing it because status quo is status quo. And that's a powerful thing. Well, that's step number one is like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta end all these relationships and get these people out of your life. Um, and then it's, you know, it is like seeking out positive sources, positive influences, uh, reading certain books, listening to certain music, listening to certain podcasts, being very specific about the positive, um, emotional energy and the positive messaging that you're allowing into your life. Now, 
you know, part of it is physical. It's hyperbaric oxygen treatments. It's a certain supplement routine. It's exercise, you know, um, physically you're like cardiovascular exercise exercise is good for the brain, uh, doing certain like literal mind brain exercises, puzzles, um, crosswords, different teasers. So it's physical exercise is brain exercise. There's, there's, there's quite a bit to it. The, the aim and clinics protocol is in my opinion, the best in the world when it comes to healing these types of things. And they're experts. They've been doing it for decades, but so I got on that path and I, uh, I stayed on it and I committed to it. It was really, really, really difficult. Um, really, really was and that it's hard. Uh, change doesn't happen overnight. Right. So I, it, that's why I say a path because that's how everything in life is. And that's how that was, is like, I got on that path. I got started on it, but it, it took a, a full year, I would say before I really started to feel like, wow, like I'm actually, I'm feeling better. Like I, Mondays are always kind of like my barometer. Monday mornings is like my barometer for how I'm doing, how my mental health is in my life. Because I remember a time in that 2015, 2016 period where getting up on Monday morning and getting to the office and going to work was like running a marathon for me. I mean, summoning the positive energy, summoning the just the positive motivation, like the, the forward momentum it takes when you're running a business and growing a business was everything I, that it, it took everything in me. Uh, it was just beating myself with whips to get myself out of bed, to go to the office and get my week started. So that's something I started using is honestly kind of like a barometer on how my mental health was. Am I excited to get my week started back up again, you know, or, or not? Um, but it took, that took a long time that, that took a year, two years before I started noticing like, wow, I feel a lot better. Uh, it, I don't have to beat myself with whips to, to get this stuff done. Like I did before. But I picked up on that is, you know, you started out and you said you knew you had physiological healing to do. It was physical healing, but it was so much deeper. It, it, it was mental. It was emotional. It was, it was spiritual. Not only that, right? Not like football. You can go into the gym. You can put on ten pounds in two months, and you know have a plan to do it. This is a windy road of path work mm-hmm. that you don't always know which direction to go. Yeah. Um, yet your your journey took a couple you know year or two to really start f- feeling maybe some of these changes from from the inside out. Beyond cutting, you know, or changing nutrition plan or supplements or exercise or cutting toxic people out, what were some of the other aspects or habits that became healthier that you were able to input into your healing journey? The first thing I think of in addition to that, and I actually thought of it just as you were asking the question, is standing up for myself. And that would be a shock to a lot of people to hear me say that uh, even some people fairly close to me. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily exhibit the physical or even just life circumstance or where, where I am in my life, even where I was then of somebody who would need to stand up for themselves, but I did. And I wasn't, and I was, I was putting myself in positions with people. And, the, and this does get back to the, 
you know, the toxic negative people comments and scenarios, but it's a little bit more than that, you know, just to, to let people drag you down, run you down, run your name through the mud, uh, use, you know, use negative things that you did as a way to characterize you as a person, um, not let you live down your mistakes, uh, and just putting yourself in positions with people who would not stand up for you and actually would join your detractors if, if given a chance, you know, and I, that time period of my life, I, I, I don't know why, but I just kind of stopped standing up for myself. I, I let people tell me I was no good, you know? And even though I would get upset by it and there'd be a part of me that didn't believe it, I think a part of me did believe it. You know, I think that that's the reason why I was putting up with it is because a part of me was kind of like, well, yeah, I, f- I feel like a piece of shit. So if somebody says that to me, who am I to argue? <laughs> um, that's a very, that's, that's something I learned in this. I don't know. this this, uh, time period in my life after I got done playing ball to this 2015, 2016 time period, which I guess that's about an eight year span. It's a very, very dangerous thing to start saying to yourself, well, I know this person in my life, be it girlfriend, boyfriend, family, friend, whatever. I know that they're not very nice to me. I know that they have all these problems, but Hey, you know, I'm excuse my French, but I'm effed up too. basically. Like I, I'm, I'm a shit show. I've got all these problems. I don't, I don't deserve any better than that. So who am I to push back on that or judge them or say that I don't deserve this? That's a very, very dangerous path to start walking down. That's a path that I was on for almost a decade. Yeah, that's huge to come, come into that awareness, right. And acknowledge that. And Boiling into something what you, you you said as well, right? It's you were this healing journey can be seriously very deep, but you talked about standing up for yourself uh, and learning learning to do that, which is powerful, so powerful. Um, yeah. What? I will, if if you care to share, I I deeply resonate with this whole conversation. So, what maybe created? Um, it sounds like when you don't stand up for yourself, I'm going to ask a question and then I'm going to follow up with it. But when you, when you're, would you agree that when you don't stand up for yourself, there's a, there's a sense of lack of value or worth within. Is that fair? Fair. hundred percent. And when you, when you take that statement uh, for yourself, or are there things that you look at from, from growing up or from uh, different period chapters of your life where that muscle of seeing your, your, who you are and your value in the world. That was reasons maybe that had never been developed. Hmm. Yeah. And I also would clarify and say that, uh, I, I never had a problem standing up for myself physically. (laughs) That was never an issue. I mean, I was getting in fights when I was very young against boys that were a lot bigger and a lot older than me. I, I never had a problem with that. Um, but I did have a problem standing up for myself verbally and emotionally, you know, and that was the, that was what I really started running into a a problem in, in relationships and in business and the intricacies of adult life, you know, outside of playing college football is like, Hey, 
somebody says something, you can't just punch them in the face or tackle them or light them up. Like you, you can't just physically attack somebody that says something you don't like. I mean, you have to learn how to stand up for yourself and in a, in a, you know, mature professional, some sometimes professional setting, but it's other times just, you know, a positive productive way. And, and I didn't, I didn't develop those skills. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't really have them, you know, and, and that, that was part of the problem, but it was more just accepting the false reality that I was flawed. So why should I say anything? But the answer to your question is I, I've had struggled with that my whole life. I mean, I, as young as I can remember, I was having self-image problems and questions, you know, about my self-worth. Um, it got progressively worse as I, as I moved through high school, moved through college. Uh, but even when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old, like I, I remember that. Uh, I remember having those thoughts. And as you say, like, you know, not exercising a, a muscle of positive self-talk or standing up for yourself or recognizing what you do and don't deserve. Yeah, I, I had never exercised that muscle, not, not really. Steep stuff, Nick. Um, it, I, I think it's hard for to build on this. I've been doing a lot of reading around men and masculinity, and I think it's hard for for men to grow up and and know, you know, we're we're not emotionally developed creatures all the time. Or, you know, wrote, wrote an article about men celebrate Valentine's Day and loving themselves and the, their friends, and see women do it. Why not men? But it's like, you know everything you're saying, right, is, is such a journey um, that I think luckily you're, because of your wife, right, you, you really had to, to face. And, um, you know, after, after going through, right, like these battles, these inner battles and to, to get to a place, let's just say, of more peace, um, is it easier for you to spot out in others who are in similar shoes or have similar pains and guide them through that? Or is it something that, you know, is more of an internal place where you just kind of keep within the family lines? No, it is easier for me to spot. In fact, it's, it's always kind of easy, been easier for me to spot. I think, uh, I don't think I know that I'm highly empathetic, uh, much more so than anyone would probably ever guess. Uh, it actually is in my position, you know, leading and growing a company and going through all the things I've gone through in the last eight or nine years. It's like, it makes it a lot more difficult, quite frankly, like it's a superpower. Like the, the ability to be empathetic is a superpower, but our greatest strengths always have a shadow side and always have a dark side and can always be our biggest, usually our biggest strengths are also our biggest weaknesses, right? Like when you flip them and when you're empathetic, you, I tend to, I have tended to take on a lot of other people's stuff mm-hmm. that I shouldn't have, you know, quite frankly, you know? And so I've had to kind of learn how to like use my powers for good (laughs) and like, you know, like be there for people and be present with people, but don't internalize it and don't take it on and don't take it home and don't just don't internalize it. You know, that, and that's a fine line, you know, because it's like, how do you really care if you're not internalizing and you're only caring so much and, you know, it's, Hey, it's, it's an art, it's not a science. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have been able to, Hey, it's like, you spot it, you got it, right? 
Right? That's that's fact. I mean, it's it's easy for me to spot. It's easy right. uh, because I struggled with it for so long. Yeah, well, there's a difference between checking in and acknowledging and being helpful, right? And then to mm-hmm. the point of creating a lack of energy for your own self when you're serving others too much. It's a, it's a fine line. Um, yeah, great, great observations. Uh, so I want to talk about a little bit about who you are today and then also kind of lean into some of the other kind of prouder moments. I, would say, I mean, it's a proud moment where we think you've been through, but it's in the professional world uh, a little bit as well. If, if I was to, let me put this question like this. If I was to ask your wife, sit down with her and say, who was Nick when you met him and how has he changed? And what, what's that look like today? What do you think she would say? That's actually a really good question. Think about that for a second. Well, I know she would say that I'm more patient, which uh, may not say much because I'm still not very patient. <laughs> but uh, uh, I know she would say that my patience emotionally uh, with her, with myself, with my friends and family uh, has increased. Um, she would say that I'm uh, more resilient, much more resilient emotionally. Which, by the way, that that's was, I guess, as a sidebar, kind of, that was a big wake-up call for me because I've always considered myself to be a very resilient man. But when I realized that I was not resilient emotionally and not resilient personally, which was then making me not resilient professionally, and I mean, it all just, you know, there really is no personal versus professional. It's all just you. You carry yourself with you everywhere you go, but that was a big slap in the face for me and a big wake up call and a big reason why I started to make changes is when I realized that I, I could not say that I was resilient because I wasn't, I know that my wife would say that I'm more resilient now than I was then. Um, more, she would say that I'm more intentional, intentional with how I'm spending my time. Uh, she would say that I'm more along those lines of time, uh, more balanced because I am, I detest and deplore the word balance. <laughs> it's like my least favorite word in the human dictionary. Uh, but it's also something that at times in my life, I've desperately needed more of, you know, there's, there's no such thing as balance, right? Like you can never, time is never something that you can hold up in one hand, hold up in the other hand and have like some kind of perfect 50, 50 equilibrium. Like it, it doesn't work that way. Life ebbs and flows. And there's sometimes in your life, you spend more time doing this. And sometimes in your life, you spend more time doing that, but but I've, I've definitely have more balance, you know, I would say than than I had when we met. And, and again, I, that comes directly from that decision her and I made together to go down to LA, get those scans and start getting treatment. Because the very first thing that they told me was, if you're not willing to make time for this, if you're not willing to make time for you, if you're not willing to make time to have that balance, this is a waste. Like don't spend the money on the scans, just go home. You, if you're not willing to do that, this is a non-starter. It's not going to happen. So, I, but that's, that's where that started, but that's definitely something that she would say. It's beautiful. I'm, <laughs> so many things I want to tell you off, offline. Um, <laughs> do you think you'd be married today if you didn't take that scan seriously? No, 
No, if I didn't, I mean, you know, a scan was part of the process, right. obviously, but right. with everything that it signified, I mean, if, if I didn't take that process seriously and do it, I, there's no way I would be with my wife and I wouldn't be married today. And it wasn't because she was giving me an ultimatum. Like I said, like we, right. we weren't even really together at the time. We were kind of off and on and our relationship was kind of rocky. So it wasn't like she was saying, Hey, you go do this or I'm out. Cause if she would have said that, I would have said, well, pound sand. Cause that's my personality. Like if you try to force me into something, I'm going to push back like a madman. Uh, it's just the way that I'm built. So it wasn't that, but the, the answer is no. Like I, I would not have been able to sustain a relationship with her. I, I wouldn't have been able to get the toxic negative people out of my life that were blowing it up and at times blowing her and I's relationship up. Um, so, so no. Hmm. Yeah. Save yourself a uh, probably future divorce, as they say. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful story. So Nick, I want to use, you know, this healing journey uh that you've gone down which so special uh to even do right most people would never even take it on and continue to numb um so to, to hear this is, is just incredible um, i want to transition a little bit to the business that you built with fierce intensity and cool fast growth and you said that you know, after that period in 2012, when you had all the house, the divorce, left your job, you said six months later, I was going to start the business. Mm-hmm. I'd love the snapshot of where the business, like where you were when you started it, kind of what your vision was. And 10 years later, where's the business today? Well, I started it with a vision of a, a real estate brokerage that was known for professionalism, for quality, quality over quantity, uh, for being able to serve all price points in residential real estate and also some commercial real estate uh, here in the Treasure Valley. And and everything for me, just everything just came back to this idea of excellence and professionalism quality. Like that's that's the model that I wanted to build and, and that's the people that I wanted to work with, you know, and some of that came from my background, uh, being around a lot of excellence and a lot of highly, highly driven, successful, motivated people. And, and I wanted to create that environment. You know, I, I, I discovered that I was very passionate about building cultures and building teams and building environments and, you know, everything that goes into an environment and, and what that really means for a, a professional and for a person. Um, so that, that's where it started was just, you know, this combination of all these different things in my life and saying, Hey, I want to build this environment, this team, this culture that's known for this. And, and, and honestly, like, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is very simple in some ways because it's like, we personally have a need as entrepreneurs. And then we kind of go out there in the world and we try to find that need with products or services that are already on the market. And we can't, you know, we, we can't find it. It doesn't exist. So we're like, you know, uh, crazy and egotistical and naive enough to think that we can, we can do it. Right? <laughs> like We can create it. We can build it. I mean, after a while in life, if you learn that the reason why certain things don't exist, like there's a reason, right? <laughs> and, 
it's not always, uh, you know, sometimes people don't do things and it's not a good idea or people don't do things because it's not a good idea and it doesn't freaking work. Right. So when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you learn some hard lessons about like, oh yeah, wow. Like the reason people don't do this is because it doesn't work and it's a bad idea. But sometimes the reason people don't do things is because they just didn't have the willingness, the intestinal fortitude, the guts, the work ethic, uh, the desire to see it through. You know, so that's what I would say is where we're at now. Um, I guess nine years, like this is going to be the ninth year, 2022. Uh, nine years later is the brokerage that's known for having the, the most professional agents, the brokerage that's known for focusing on quality over quantity, the brokerage that's known to, to have success in all price points, uh, the brokerage that's known to to give back um, tirelessly to the community and work in the community and be positive stewards for the community. That's a, a wrinkle that I brought to it that I've, I've been passionate about my entire life. Uh, ever since my mom used to walk with me when I was a kid and we'd pick up trash on the side of the country road I grew up on, like my whole life uh, community has been a part of what I do. So that's, that's been a really big blessing for me and a really big honor to be able to like bring that um, to the brokerage. So numbers aside, you know, business is funny because it, it tends to be very numbers driven. The numbers for us are not the reason they're, they're just a side effect. Um, they, they don't have anything to do with the reasons for why we do what we do. It's a way to measure. It's a way to keep score. Um, but there's a lot of ways to measure and a lot, a lot of ways to keep score. So it's mostly just a side effect is the way that I think about it. Yeah. I mean, just to build on what you said, I remember walking into your office a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I went to go sit at the coffee table and on the right, and, um, and I noticed that one, it was beautiful, the office, but there were signs on the wall with quotes. And I noticed immediately that you clearly cared about culture and the environment that, that people were in and the messaging of what that represented. Um, and so just to take what you said maybe a step further is what do you do to, what, what creates a good environment? What creates a good culture for your people to operate, exist, live within, to achieve a vision that you, you chart them towards? Well, people need to know that you care. Uh, that's, that's a very foundational, that's a, that's a building block of culture that uh, uh, often gets overlooked. Uh, people need to know that you yourself personally are willing to sacrifice for the vision, for the mission, for whatever it is that you're asking them to jump on board in, you know, um, people do like to be a part of things. They, they like to be a part of growth and winning teams. They like to be a part of companies that stand for something, you know, but the first thing that they're looking at is the leadership and saying, okay, like, are they practicing what they preach? Are they somebody that I can trust? you know, and, and also do they care about me? Right. Fundamentally, we all, we all want to be cared for. Uh, and, and none of us are, are really able, willing to willing or able to follow somebody or follow mission or, or be a part of a team for very long. If we don't feel like anyone cares. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to show them that you care, you know, and, and we've done that. And I specifically have done that in a lot of different ways. You know, part of it is time, uh, energy, um, help assistance, coaching, training, mentorship. Part of it is, is treasure. Quite frankly, you know, we've made a lot of exceptions 
options for some people who are in hard times in their life. We've helped people out financially. I've helped people out financially. Um, stepping up where you can, when you can, how you can to try to get people through a tough time or a rough patch or, or get them to the next level of where they want to go personally or professionally. You know, that that's for me, something I've always um, strove towards, I guess I would say is getting beyond just professional with people to take an interest in what's going on in their life and helping them elevate that, you know, and that's certainly true for our agents, our independent contractor realtors, but it, it's hundred percent true of our staff, our employees, like the people that are extensions of, of me that, you know, make this whole thing work. Uh, we, we need them and want them and, and desire for them to know that we care. Beautiful. I mean, I think when people, you know, just to build on it, right. I run a team now and luckily I have a good co-founder, but when, when the team feels to your point supported beyond work, like we actually care about their lives. Like you're saying you care, financial hardship, things of that nature, all the actions that don't go unnoticed, you know, mm. having yeah. through desire to, to help, uh, others, right. I think creates yeah. that glue and stickiness. So it's so cool. Um, something I was thinking about as you were talking was connecting maybe this personal path to the professional path. You, you talked about, there's no personal, there's no professional. It's called a blend. Uh, hmm. when you maybe start going down the say emotional and spiritual path and started doing the internal healing, did it change anything within your business? Did you start noticing impact in a different way, different decision-making in a different way? What, what did anything happen when you started going down that? It did, but not right away. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it definitely took time. It took time for some of the bad decisions that I had already made to flush their way through the system and make room and make space for more positive energy, more better decisions. So that, that was definitely frustrating for me because it was like, Hey, I, I'm making all these decisions and making all these changes in my personal life. I'm doing all these things that everybody's telling me that I need to do. And it's not doing shit. <laughs> it's not working. Like it's, I still have like all these same problems and drama and rumors or like, you know, just, I don't know, people that were still around that shouldn't have been around. And yeah, Hey, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it takes time. Um, after making different decisions in my life for a year or two, did I start seeing changes professionally? Yeah, I hundred percent did. I, I had more faith and trust from some of my partners in business than I had before. Um, I had a, a less, my, my workplace was completely drama free, you know, drama, drama costs money, uh, period. You know, like you want to look at the brass tacks of dollars and professionalism and office and workplace. Like if you have drama in your workplace, it always costs you money, uh, as an owner, uh, one, one way or the other. Right. So yeah, it a hundred percent did. And so in 20, what was that like 20, uh, this office that you were just talking about, I'll use that as an example. Cause you brought it up. It's this beautiful building. We moved into it 18 months ago, brand new building, about 14,000 square feet. It's it is the nicest real estate brokerage office in the state of Idaho. And it's, it's, that is uncontested. It's not even close. Uh, it's my first commercial real estate development. So I was the developer on the project. I, I found the land. I, 
you know, found the contractor, found the designer, the architect, put everything together. And it's kind of my vision behind the building, uh, that, that brought it to life. Um, even down to a lot of the finer design details, you know, but however, so that this building was the biggest financial financial risk that I'd ever taken in my entire life. You know, I mortgaged myself to the hilt and put myself in an extremely precarious personal financial situation to make this building happen. And I didn't do it alone. Um, I had a business partner, Matt Bowsher, that, that was right there with me. Um, Matt's the first agent actually to join the brokerage. Him and I have partnered together on several things. Uh, he bought in as a, as an owner of the brokerage a couple of years back, but him and I were like 50, 50, um, at the hip on this building project. And for both of us, it was a massive financial risk to do this development and build this building. That was about a $4 million project that today would be about five and a half, six with inflation and what's happened to construction. But so how does that tie into decisions and personal life? And well, for one thing, you, a partner is not going to jump in with you like that on a project if they don't trust you. And if you're not making good decisions and if you're kind of a shit show for lack of a better word, uh, personally, that's not going to happen. Secondly, you yourself don't have the, the strength, the intestinal fortitude, the stability, quite frankly, in your home life to take on that kind of a risk. If you're not making good decisions or at least better decisions than what I was making in 2014, 15, 16. So yeah, there's a very real dollars and cents impact on your business. You know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, it's so much of it is about risk. Your your willingness to take on risk. You have to be willing to take on risk to grow. And that's that's a an incremental sort of 50-50 correlated relationship, right? Like the more you want to grow, the more risk you have to take on. That's just, that's just the way that it is. And you can't do that if you don't have a good foundation. Yeah. So well said. I love what you said about trust. Now, when you did this first things on the personal side, you notice that team members, your family, there's more trust there so that you have the foundation to then go take bigger leaps. Congratulations yep. on the project. I, I noticed the building immediately uh, walking in. I didn't know it was your vision behind it. I'm not surprised. Um, but I think it's a really cool story and testament to it's not just the building. It's all the things that made up, led up to you saying, let's do this. And without doing some of the prior work, but it never been possible. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, and PS on the building. So it was one of those situations where you're making a risk. And in order for that to not blow up in your face, you need everything in the market to stay good and stay kind of, you know, at equilibrium and things to continue on a positive trajectory for the next couple of years until you can heal up a little bit and, and put some dry powder back in your accounts and whatever. Well, we opened the building uh, in May of 2020. <laughs> so right when the building was getting finalized and we were getting our move-in dates and figuring out when we're going to move into this building is when COVID hit. So here we are taking like this massive risk and it's like February, March of 2020 and markets are freezing no one's buying or selling anything. I watch our incoming transaction volume get cut in half in a 10 day period. And Matt and I are looking at each other like, holy shit, like we are screwed. I mean, this is literally like a nightmare, you know, like the, 
worst possible timing you could ever freaking have. Like we're thinking that things need to be stable for the next couple of years. And now the entire world is getting shut down from this virus and nobody knows what is going to happen. Right. So it's just the universe will test you, man. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll, it'll give you gut checks now for us in that situation. Hey, we luck, you know, like as it turns out, uh, we, we live and work in Boise, Idaho and, and what nobody knew at that time that we would find out six months later was that COVID was going to just put gasoline behind Boise's growth because there's so many people moving here from West coast cities that are, you know, completely locked down. And it's just, I mean, who knew that? Like, you know, nobody knew that we sure as heck didn't know that, but that was, that was a nervous time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nervous time for so many. Uh, but the fact that you love four million dollar mortgage under your belt is uh <laughs> without yeah. without you know and your transactions cut in half right i'm sure but right that emotional resilience that you built earlier i'm sure you handled the situation so much better um what a story yeah. so with the business um where where are you now with employees where do you see the next 10 15 20 years i mean it seems like you're here to play a long-term game and build something elite and continue building something elite. I mean, where, where's your vision today? And, and how, how do you think this next chapter is going to look? Yeah. You know, when you set out to, uh, one of the things I'm most passionate about, and I actually enjoy the most about, about any business is just having a concept and then bringing in all these different pieces and parts that, that make it work better, make it work more efficiently, um, at time, you know, make it more profitable in some instances. So for us, you know, we set out to build this company that serves professional full-time agents, right? Like that's, that was our target. Well, that then that be the next immediate question is if you're committed to that journey anyways, is like, what do they need? Uh, what does that, that's our customer. Our customer is now defined. We know who our customer is. We can, you know, we can go out and find thousands of surveys on them and what they like and don't like and want and don't want. So what do they want and what do they need? And then you set out to start building services uh, for that customer, for that, that agent that really thrives here. So, you know, for me, the, here's the great news is I am a long-term thinker. This is a long game for me. And we are just now starting to be able to do some of the things that I wanted to do eight years ago. Um, you know, I bootstrapped this company. I didn't take on any debt. I grew it very organically. Uh, so that takes time. Uh, it, it takes time to grow a company that way. Um, and you can't just go out on day one or on year one, or even on year two or three and start doing all these different things that you wanted to do. Cause you don't have any money for it and you need to incrementally, you know, grow revenue and then maybe make a hire or make a couple hires and add some services. And so we've been able to, to add some, but we want to add a lot more. And that's probably one of the more exciting things for me is, is to continue to grow. Yes. And continue to continue to bring on, you know, agents who want to take the next level in their career, agents who want to be professionals, agents who do believe in quality over quantity. I don't, I don't have a, a limit or a target or a number on, on how many agents I want or how big I want to expand. Uh, we want to expand uh, significantly and, and continue down that path. But what I think about on a day-to-day -day basis is more adding those services that I know that that group of agents desperately wants and needs. Uh, and that's a different perspective as a brokerage. You know, most real estate brokerages look at it like, hey, the agent is going to hold their license here. They're independent contractors. They're running their own business. So beyond just their license and file compliance, they're on their own to go out there and find all these services on their own. And I've just found that 
uh, that's not a very good model. It, it doesn't serve most agents very well. Uh, it actually puts them on an island and mm-hmm. and removes their tools to be successful and kind of says, well, it's all up to you. And if you fail, it's your fault. Well, a life and business is not not that simple. So what I'm most excited about is like we we have our own transaction coordination department. That's a specific function within real estate that's become more and more popular in the last 10 years where agents are farming out a lot of their uh, file compliance, meetings, follow-up. It's almost like a kind of an assistant role, but specific to that transaction kind of assistant. Uh, so we have our own in-house program here. We have three full-time employees that are TCs of the company. Uh, and we provide that service for our agents. Now they they don't have to use it. It's optional, but about 60, 70% of our agents do use it uh, because it's priced at below market and it's a fantastic service. And they can go right down the hall to talk to a TC if they have a question or a problem. So that's an example of something we've done in the last two and a half years that is very unique. I don't know any other brokerage in Idaho that does it in terms of having like staff members that you pay a salary to, and they only do that work for your agents. Uh, and it's a benefit to our agents. So we're looking to do the same thing uh, with other parts of our business. The next one up is relocation. So I'm working on uh, building a relocation department right now. We just hired a relocation director out of uh, Denver. She's been doing it for like 20 years. She's extremely experienced. She knows exactly what she's about. She's going to help us build this relocation team and, and department to, to one of the finest in the state. You know, And, and there's, there's a marketing creative side uh, that I want to add that provides those services to agents. So there's several pieces like that, uh, that, that we're very excited to be working on. And like I said, I, I'm just starting to have fun in a lot of ways. You know, I'm the kind of, I had the kind of vision that, Hey, the the first five or six years were, were a grind, right? Because I, like I said, didn't take debt on, I bootstrapped it. And, and quite frankly, I wasn't getting to do some of the things that were really fun for me, uh, that I was looking forward to doing. And, And now I am, and that's really exciting. Super special. I uh, love how you didn't want, I mean, the fact you didn't take any debt on or capital on, so I'm just going to grow this organically. And, you know, you're eight years in, you're saying, now I actually get to have the fun. And you've taken a very unsexy path and uh, the path now that you kind of, sounds like spice up a bit, but also grow the vision uh, at the same time. And uh, Nick, this has been a treat. Um, I hope this went, as well for you as I thought it did. And, um, I just, I enjoyed every minute. It's been great. Yeah. And I, it's been great to meet you and, and be a part of your journey as well. So I, I appreciate the the time and the candor, the energy and looking forward to maybe doing it again sometime. Yeah. I would love to and Nick, where, where can people find you, um, to reach out or website or all the things. Yeah. Um, I do have a, a website that's just my name, nickschluckaway.com. Um, I am a, a part-time blogger, although I don't get to do that as much as I, I would like uh, running a business, but I, I do enjoy writing. Um, I've got a lot more writing in my future and I do have a blog site up with information about myself. They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, they can they can find me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm, I'm on the major channels. So, Awesome. Well, thank you, Nick. Appreciate your time and candor. And uh... Excited to share it. All right, man. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.